<clears throat> Hello. Oh no. Whoops. What's up, you guys? My name is Nicole, and this is Sophisticated Mess. Welcome back. I'm really excited about today's episode. I was lucky enough to get a chance to sit down with Riva Ensminger, who is a local small business owner, and she sits down to talk with me about her experience working at Dell and then venturing into the franchise system until she owned and operated multiple locations around the Austin area. And it was just really good to hear her perspective and what it was like to come out of college with a very similar, actually the same degree as me, and not really know where to go and see how her journey progressed over time and where she's at now and all the things she's learned in between. So it was a really awesome interview. I hope that you guys learn as much as I did and find it useful for Maybe if you're in the same situation that I'm in or you're about to graduate or just need to hear some awesome advice from a business owner who is not afraid to take risks and go for what she wants. So I won't spend any more time on me and I will just let the conversation speak for itself. So yeah, if you will go ahead and leave it a rating and review, those really help me out. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel where I'll be posting the video for this conversation. And yeah, let's just get right into it. Yeah, I guess we can go ahead and get started. It's funny how, it's just funny how close you are because I took my parents to Mount Bunnell and I was like, I think Reva is like right here because this is where I picked up the ACL tickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know when and- you told me, I was like, you were two seconds I can walk to Mount Benel from my house I was like you were so close to my house you should have stopped by <laughs> I know well it's crazy I mean do you go up there often uh, not as much anymore I've been here since 89 so I, I go a lot yeah yeah. yeah yeah and now I'd be so afraid my kids would jump off so like oh my yeah, god yeah, yeah. yeah how so old are they five and four oh, okay so yeah they're little yeah. still it's funny though because every time I bring someone from Dallas here that's the first place I bring them I'm like the first night sunset we have to go there yeah. because yeah they just it's my two best friends from high school, they were so just in love with it that the next night they were like, can we go back? Yeah. Because <laughs> they had just never seen anything like yeah. it. So, no yeah. Way. Let me put the dog upstairs so he'll be less likely to bark. His name is Captain? Captain, yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> How did you come up with that? So my husband's a pilot. And oh, so we were trying to find okay. fun, fun, like, pilot names. Okay. So, uh, actually, have you ever done any, like, no. podcast or anything no. like that? Okay. Mm. Cool. Well, thank you, first of all, for doing this with me. It's funny because we both studied communications, which I want to know, like, what your own college experience was like, because we both went to UT. Obviously, I'm about to graduate, and I'm sure it was probably a lot different then. Cheaper, for sure. Oh, (laughs) yeah, probably. I had not, my dad had $9,000 saved up, and that's what... For four years? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Not including. I mean, I used it all for tuition. Okay. But I had to get a job to pay for my rent and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I made it on $9,000. Oh, my God. I mean, that's one year yeah. for me. So yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Was communications what you went into school wanting to do? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got, I started out in acting. Oh, that really? That was my thing. Okay. Yep, yep. That's and then so fun. Um, realized I was going to probably be struggling and be poor. And I had been poor, <laughs> so I didn't want to be poor anymore. 
And then I did advertising. Okay. And I got a C, and I think it was creativity in advertising or something. And if you got a C in that class, you couldn't take any more advertising classes or something to what? that effect. And so I was like, eh, I didn't really like this anyway. So then I sat down with a counselor. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was like, what's the major with the least amount of math? communications and done (laughs) yeah and it was in moody already so it was in the same school yeah yeah so you didn't have to transfer that's so crazy I also similar experience I wanted to do nutrition not acting which is also very cool but I um failed well I had to drop two courses I had to drop my chemistry lab and my second chem class Mm because they were just so I was gonna fail them like I was going to get F's like not even C's F's yeah and so after that I was like I need I've never been a science person so I was like I need something that's not gonna have science not gonna have a crazy amount of math and so yep same communications Mm -mm. but there's um, a major for us all there's a major for us all but besides that I mean how was college like for you some people love it some people are like oh it's you know not that I mean I definitely don't regret the decision it's funny I was thinking about this last night because I had a feeling it was going to come up I mean I don't regret the decision um I was never a student like I've just never been somebody I'm a student of life not really of school (laughs) yeah um I was a crammer like I would look at the syllabus and all the textbooks about four days before the test so same (laughs) so um that didn't serve me well in GPA of any kind Mm -hmm. um but yeah no I mean I I worked through college so for me when I think back I mean I don't necessarily look at I mean this is horrible but I don't necessarily look back at the education as something that I got that's been super useful I mean I think because I majored in speech communication I definitely got very comfortable being in front of people, mm-hmm. but I was already kind of there anyway because I right. majored in acting, right? right. So, um, but I mean, I think, and I think it allowed me to grow up, but um, yeah, so it's weird. But I mean, I have a very loving feeling about UT and the campus and mm-hmm. everything about it. I don't regret anything about it. I just, you know, from an education, for a lost, someone who was a little bit of a lost soul, right? Um, I don't know that it made me found (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of I have the kind of the same sentiment like because I almost feel like because it's so well known I almost feel like I should be doing something harder yeah you know but then again I tried something harder and it didn't work out so you know I guess we'll see but are you originally from Austin uh, no, well, my dad was stationed at Austin Bergstrom when it used to be okay. the Air Force Base, right. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so we lived in Dallas, Fort Worth, I actually went to Trinity oh, High School in Bedford, okay. Euless area. Yeah. And then when we came down, I came and lived with my dad the first year of college because he lived here. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that'll be easy. You know? Right. And yeah. I barely got into college. So <laughs> like, this may not even work out anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So that, and you've been here ever since. Yes. Okay. I, I have a lost year where I went back to Dallas, but yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I caught the lost year. <laughs> I actually, I'm thinking about it. I, I want to go back to Dallas, but as I explore more of Austin, it really, it gets yeah. harder because being in West Campus, like, you know, you're in the college part of the town. Yeah, so yeah, it's not the yeah. same as, yeah. and then I went to, um, I actually got my hair done by um, a good friend who works in Bee Cave. Mm-hmm. Driving that way, I yeah. was like, see now, I could live here forever yeah. if I lived over here. It's Yeah, beautiful. it's weird how the greenery just like sucks you in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still get nostalgic when I'm going down Mopac. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, um, 360. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it feels, sometimes I'm like, this does not feel like Texas at all. Yeah. Which is cool. And is actually why I chose UT, because mm-hmm. I was like, 
the city, the water. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. didn't compare to like OU, you know? Yeah. But I know that you ended up at Dell. I did. Um, how did you, was that your first job out of no, college? No, so I was a, so through college, I became a bartender slash waiter at Papado's. Okay. <laughs> and they offered me a job as a manager okay. at, at Papado's. And so I was like, okay, done. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, that's what I wanted because I just didn't know what else to do. Right. And then they um, transferred me to one in Richardson, Texas. Okay. So that's what I call my lost year. So I went there <laughs> and then I quickly realized this just wasn't going to be the life for me. Mm-hmm. Kind of fiddled around as bartender and then came back and I had a friend. I was calling on my friends from college saying, hey, I, I need a job. And they're like, well, I started working for this company. It's called Dell. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about computers. They're like, no, they train you for a month. Okay. And it's in sales. You'd be great at it. And that was back when Dell, like, you were on the phone. There was no internet. There was no Dell.com. Oh, wow. The internet okay. didn't exist then. And so you would go and answer phone calls for an hour. I mean, people would be on a hold for an hour and a half to order a computer from you. Yeah, wow. So you, yeah, so they were hiring people like crazy just to answer the phones to sell computers. Was this when they were, they had already been a little established or were they still technically so a startup? No, it was 1995. So I think at that, I don't know exactly, I don't remember when they got founded. But I mean, I mean, it was, you know, they still, they had three buildings in Round Rock. So they okay. weren't. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like. Yeah. The beginning, beginning. Yeah. Because I know Michael Dell, he, did he, he never finished college he didn't finish right he but started he, in his but dorm he started room. at ut yep. right mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. yeah that's so crazy so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. started in his dorm room so so you started in sales how long were you in sales before you moved so we did up? i did sales for a year and a half and i was an okay salesperson it just i didn't have the you know i, I don't know i just didn't have and then make me sales <laughs> trainer which was way more at okay. my league so okay. i did that for a while i think i did that for another year and a half and back then dell was just moving and growing so fast there was always a job there to get like i mean you opening, were just yes there was always something okay. and then i did like sales support training or i'm sorry it's like a sales support management job then i think after that i went into supply chain and then after that, I had a job as a customer experience manager. Okay. And when I left, I was managing queues of people in India and let's say, I think I went to Bratislava, Panama. We had call centers everywhere. So I was traveling all over just managing these people in these queues that were answering phone calls for a different variety of things. Okay. So, well, how long had it been since ten you years. started? So you were there 10 years. There okay. 10 years. And how long were you in... By, I mean, you know, think about it. I started it by accident. Like, <laughs> a friend said, oh, I got this job. And right. then the next thing you know, 10 years later, and That's yeah, it's bizarre. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny that you said you didn't really enjoy sales. I feel like you would be good at it. Yeah, well, back then, I mean, it was there was a, um, what's the right word? You, you had to be a little unethical. Okay, so you yeah. had to kind of like push you the boundaries. You had to be kind of shady sales. Okay. You know, you're on the phone. You're trying to, you know. Right, it's not in it didn't person. Feel it good. was all Yes, but on person, okay. I, I could have done for sure, yeah. Okay. And, you know, remember, I didn't care about computers. Right. Like, you know, if you're going to be a good salesperson, you actually have to care about what you're selling. Right. So I think that was part of the biggest problem is just like, eh, 
you know, it who cares if you have 32 <laughs> megs of RAM? I mean, back there, it was like the difference between 8 megs of RAM and 16 megs of RAM, you know? Yeah, that was like yeah, what yeah. you were trying to upsell. <laughs> Not gigs, right. megs. You right, know? <laughs> right. Yeah, if you don't know much about it or even care, it doesn't, Yeah, you're, you're not like passionate and, about it. And, you know, it. I'm a very outgoing personality, so sitting at a desk. That was what I was going to ask, a right. headset, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> shoot me <laughs> whereas so, training I was up in front of people and I was yeah. you know different people every 30 days that were coming through the class that was definitely more my style okay yeah have you ever thought about teaching just in general no it's not really in not, a way, not like in like... a way of being a teacher like okay. I I think I'm a good mentor okay. I think I'm somebody who uh, I mean I, by in the heart of me I'm a public speaker okay like that's just who I am like I am completely comfortable getting up in front of a group of people and talking so like in that kind of capacity yes but like as a like try to get a job at UT as a teacher mm-hmm. or a professor nah that's yeah. just not my thing like if you were say to like teach public speaking yeah yeah something okay. like that and okay. I've actually done that I've given classes on public speaking really mm-hmm. oh, okay mm-hmm. usually, um, usually at Dell they would always have me come speak or whatever okay that's awesome I was going to ask too, did, was public speaking something that always came easy? I mean, I know you were interested in acting. When did you decide that you wanted no, I mean, to also, do? I mean, I don't know if you're ever comfortable public speaking or, you know, so yeah, like you're, that's it's always true. something, even like, I even think of the best of people, mm-hmm. you know, probably still get nervous or, you know, it's something that you're like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause I've had, a, you know, I mean, all you have to do is go up and fail miserably in front of a group of people and, right. you know, you'll never want to do it again. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I just, it was, I was, I don't know. That was my social network. So mm-hmm. getting up, I mean, acting definitely helped like doing that in, in high school and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I got over the fear of an audience. Right. I think, yeah, that's probably yeah. what holds a lot of people back. Yeah. Just getting up there and then seeing everyone looking at you. Yeah. Just that feeling. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting because that's actually one of the things I used to teach in my class is that, you know, if you're, if you're at a point where you're thinking about the people out you know, how they're looking at you, then mm-hmm. you don't know your material enough. Because what it really boils down to is if you trust your material, then you, you you're, you're lost in the material. Right. You're right. trying to sort through through that in your brain rather than what they're thinking. Right. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. then you're like just so eager to share whatever experience that you have. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's there are some people, it's they would never get in front of a group of people. So just the fear <laughs> of that. But, yeah. um, but I mean, I, I do think like if you know the material – it gets easier. Does that make sense? Yes. Because I feel like with anything, the more prepared you are, it's just the less nervous Mm -hmm. you are in general. Mm -hmm. So I guess at one point when I was at Dell, I mean, just to give you, so just to kind of throw in another level, but at one point when I was at Dell and I was just kind of getting bored, this is like halfway through, I started writing comedy and started doing stand up <laughs> um, at Capital Austin Capital uh, Comedy Club, which really? is super sad. I don't know if you know, but it just it didn't make it through COVID. Oh, but, um, no way! Yeah, Closed. Shut down. Mm-hmm. I did not know. And so that. I did that for a year. I would go up and on amateur nights do comedy, and you know, one of the things I, I did it, and I mean, I I don't know who knows if you could have made it or not. Yeah, but. Um, I still use that experience today because I definitely failed miserably several times. I mean, there's <laughs> like when people come and expect to laugh at you and you do not deliver, like there is <laughs> no worse feeling. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's sickening. It makes you sick. Yeah. But what I would tell you is every time now anything comes in my way where I'm, I'm nervous or I'm, I mean, you know, not just public speaking, yeah. but anything. Yeah. I think back to that moment. I was like, dude, if I can get through that. I can get through anything. Like there is right. nothing 
worse than that. And I mean, to this day, <laughs> there is nothing worse than that. I was going to ask about that. So I'm actually happy that you brought that up because yeah, bombing in a comedy like atmosphere, I cannot imagine. But I was going to ask too, because I, I saw somewhere that you wrote that you're like a self proclaimed comedian and I was gonna be I think it was a wannabe comedian (laughs) and I was gonna ask if that was something that was just like a passion project on the side or if you had ever tried it professionally or you know if you still do it now I did it for a year um I always you know filled the room with my friends (laughs) and then uh, but not with anybody else and then uh, I did um the Capital Comedy Club used to have the funniest Austin uh, funniest person in Austin contest Mm -hmm. yeah and I did that and that was like 250 people and um and then I don't know just it got I mean back then there was still smoking and clubs and you came home late on a work night. I mean, for right. to go up as an amateur, you had to go up on Monday nights and Wednesday nights. Right. You know, so Did it you was have like to go work. super late. Yes, oh, okay. and you always ended up late. Yeah, which actually, um, believe it or not, that's actually a good sign when you're later in the set. That actually means you're one of the funnier people. Like really? you know, they put the funniest oh, people at the end because right. that's like the big finale, right? You don't want the worst person at the front. So, right. but that made it worse for me because, because you had to wait. I mean, then... I'd come home at midnight smelling like a cigarette, and then I'd have to get up and go to work the next morning, <laughs> and then I was like, dang, do I really want to do this? Right. So um, I think it just serves me, you know, well in other ways. Yeah, I was gonna say, has it found its way into other mm-hmm. avenues of your life? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you worked at Dell, worked all the way up to a huge management position. And then at what point did you decide to leave? Like why? When the boredom got to be too much. So were you doing the same thing over and no, over again? Okay. I just didn't care. I mean, again, I fell into it kind of by accident. I mean, right. you have to remember when you get to a certain level, you know, in these big corporate companies, you're sitting around a room talking about growing market share at 0.25% or whatever. <laughs> and you're sitting around going, what the heck am I doing? I mean, it just was never a passion project. Just never was. I mean, it's just really just that simple. It yeah. was like something that paid really well. And mm-hmm. at the time, I think it was, let's see, I'm trying to think how old I was when I left, but I was like, I was single. I had no family. I mean, if I just got to the point where I realized I could take risk. Right. And because I'd been at Dell so early, I had money. So right. oh, that did didn't you get hurt. shares in the company? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had, I had a little right. flexibility to do some stuff. Okay. Right. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it. I need to do it now before mm-hmm. all that enters my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, you had no ties. So it was right. like, I can go wherever. Yeah. I mean, and my philosophy was if I'm, because I ended up leaving to start my, you know, my own business. Uh, my philosophy was if I fail, I'm the only one that's impacted and I can always get my job back at Dell. Like, okay. you know, once you're in that world, I mean, you can always go back. Really? Oh, well, know. I guess if you make good connections. Yeah. yeah you, or whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. again, different world back then. I mean, jobs are a lot harder to come by now. But right. back then, I mean, for sure, I just felt like, you know. There was, I always come back and do this. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> less risk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how did you find franchising specifically edible it was random I had a friend who was about to buy a fr- into a franchise system and I had never even I always knew I wanted to start my own business but I didn't know where to start how I mean again I didn't mm-hmm. go to school in business I didn't you know but I knew I'd had enough experience at Dell in those 10 years to kind of just see everything like you know I left Dell knowing what a PL was mm-hmm. which I wouldn't have known you know <laughs> before that and then my friend was just telling me about franchising. And I always had it in my head that franchising was something that cost like a million dollars to start. Like right. you just had to have a ton of money, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then he was like, oh, no, you know, it costs this much. I was like, what? That's it? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I just started down this train of looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that's when I came across edible arrangements. And at that point, it was, I mean, when I ended up buying in, I think I was store number like 310. Oh my goodness. And they started at 100. So, you know, there's only like 200, 300 stores. And um, when I found it, I mean, I just, I I knew Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to do. Really? Mm -hmm. Like it was just no, I came back. I went to the, they have the thing, if you don't know, in franchising, they have what's called a discovery day. Mm -hmm. And you go and you sit down with the people at the corporate offices and they give you the sales pitch of why you should be a franchisee. I came back and uh, no lie, sold every bit of Dell stock I had at the time and told them to send me the paperwork. I mean, I think from that discovery day to when I signed the paperwork was maybe 60 days. Wow. Wow. Okay. Like I just knew I was going to do it. Like that's, I was like, I'm it. This that's so it. interesting though, that they were pitching to you. You weren't pitching to them like as a person, like, oh, I should be investing in. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the franchise. Mm-hmm. They're definitely, you know, if you're a Subway or, you know, McDonald's, you're mm-hmm definitely trying to convince them you can do it Mm -hmm. um but when they're starting out it's usually the opposite like they it's really hard to start a franchise company and so you're it's definitely a sales pitch to you at that point okay I mean you have to go through some qualifications like do you have enough money to get started right good credit to get a loan you know (laughs) that type of stuff but Mm -hmm. back then there wasn't a whole lot of personality questions or (laughs) experience questions or anything no like huge tests to do yeah so were you nervous at all though if you were doing this by yourself mm-hmm. and knowing that a lot of small businesses do fail mm-hmm. I mean you're going into a franchise system which is a little different um than starting like your own business yeah from that's why you do that right you go because right. you have I mean it's it's supposed to help you feel more comfortable because they're providing you this manual of how to do it right, right? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was really scary. I mean, I mean, the only thing I will tell you is I, I was incredibly blessed because around the time that I realized I was going to do this, mm-hmm. um, Dell had layoffs and I volunteered myself to be a layoff. So I got a severance package and I had oh. been there long enough that basically they had given me enough money to live on for like a year and a half. Okay. So wow. I had that. So mm-hmm. that's very, I mean, again, very blessed in that sense. So I wasn't freaking out. Now, at year and a half mark, I freaked out because <laughs> uh, then there really wasn't, you know, I mean, it, all businesses, and especially it was a new franchise system, like people hadn't even heard of edible arrangements. Like right. they thought we were cookies. Right. Like everyone walking oh, the door is really? like, because cookie bouquets were the big thing back then. Oh, interesting. So people would walk in and ask you like, oh, can I buy a bouquet of cookies? I'm like, no, we have fruit. Huh? Like mm, no one yeah. knew. Mm-hmm. And again, not really internet like back then there was no facebook to advertise on or oh, instagram right. so you were you did newspaper ads <laughs> and val pack like the coupons that you throw away yeah that's what you did back oh, then. oh my gosh so what year did you first buy in was that 2005 okay so that was before 2008 when everything happened how many stores mm-hmm. did you like how long did it take for you to start growing so i i when i bought in i was a dummy and bought in two stores. <laughs> two stores. And you bought into uh, two bought existing two. stores? No, because back then nothing was existing. Oh, okay. I was only, I think, the third or fourth store in Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, or I mean, I don't remember, but it was low. The number was really low of how mm-hmm. many there were actually in Texas. And um, I, yes, yeah, so no, I had to start them all, build them all out, do the whole thing. So the way it worked is you buy in, you get build up one and then I had six months to get the other one open wow so I went so the way I like to um 
tell people is I made the same mistakes twice <laughs> because you don't even have time to learn from your first mistakes to correct it on the second one because you're right. just going so fast. Right. So that would be advice I would give you not to do unless it's an existing <laughs> business. Like if it's an existing franchise and you can have years of history to look and see how it was going to work, it'd be different. But starting something brand new, I mean, you just completely, you always overestimate yourself <laughs> on how to get people in the door right um and underestimate how little people care at the beginning yes. <laughs> right like, yes. like you got, it's a lot to get yes people in the door to start yeah that's why they say businesses fail the first year and a half right and two I think you once you have all the knowledge and you're so excited about it you can see it for what it is and then yeah. but then trying to convince someone else they yeah. might be exciting or just to know about it I right. mean the world is a noisy place yes so to try and get people to remember or to change I mean if you think about it and again for this particular product I mean people sent flowers that's what they did right for every occasion you mm-hmm. know now you're you know, and fruit. I mean, what's the first thing you think? I mean, every single friend, when I told them that I was going to open this, said, won't it die? Won't the fruit die? Like, how can it be good? How can it taste good? You know, like. Yeah. So it's you're. go bad. Yeah. You know, but then that was what sold me. It was like, it's fruit, but now you can eat it instead of throwing the flowers away. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No. And so at this point, you're in the business of like changing people's behavior patterns. Right. It's, yeah. Which is like Hard. one of the most difficult things Hard. to do. Hard. So, um, yeah, I can. And back then, even TV was crazy expensive. So like to get onto TV where people would, mm-hmm. you know, know about it, you know. So you were just putting in your little ads in the ma- in the <laughs> newspaper, every, every bell pack. I mean, the way I look at it back then, I was like, oh my, I think the first year I spent 50,000, I had $350,000 in sales, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I had $50,000 in marketing expenses. I mean, oh, I was, oh a, my God. I just threw, and let's be clear, I lost 85. So oh. <laughs> um, I, uh, I uh, just was throwing everything against the wall. Just to see if it, I mean, anything that would work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a common thing. You know, you either don't do enough or you do too much. And that's what I did. I just, and I was going so fast that it was hard to even keep track. Yeah. Like of what I was spending, or I was just like, yeah, sign us up. I'm not busy enough. I'm not busy enough. You Mm -hmm. know, sign me up, sign me up. And Mm -hmm. then you stop and look at your PL at the end. You're like, oh, hmm, no wonder (laughs) I'm broke. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have signed Uh, all these little, you know. That's, I mean, I can imagine if you're trying to, though, you know, the cost to acquire customers at that point must have been, I mean, way more expensive than I think it would be now. But, oh, yeah. at, the, but at the same time, now there's a lot more competing interests. Mm-hmm. There's a so, lot more noise now. Right. Easier so, to easier to implement, but way more crowded. Right. That's a hard space to get in. I mean, unless your product is so genuinely unique, which the good news is mine was. Yes. And then once people, the word started getting out, you know. But I mean, the reality is that didn't really happen until 2008 when the, they did the, they actually launched their first national TV campaign. And okay. that year, I think I was up like 50%. It was oh, like crazy. The oh numbers went God. overnight. That's insane. So how many stores did you have at that point after three years? Two or three. I okay. Think. I can't okay. remember when I bought that third store. The third store I bought as an existing store. It was, it was somebody else who just didn't like the business and I mm-hmm. bought it. So, but I can't remember when that was. Sorry. Which one was your, uh, when did you buy the Georgetown location? I think that's the first one that I knew oh, of. Oh, that's like number, that was the last one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where did you start? Was it in the city area or were you uh, in downtown the Downtown and uh, the Arboretum area. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, and how many did you end up having overall? At the end, it was yes. seven. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seven. My parents had nine. Yes. Which is... It's too many. It's crazy. Craziness. Yeah. In my head, I was like, this is yeah insane. Um, It's funny, though, that you said that you didn't enjoy... Or not that you didn't enjoy it, but after a while, Dell just didn't really work out because you weren't passionate about it. It's funny because I think that luckily, you know, we were fortunate enough that we didn't half we weren't forced to work as soon as we were able to because we had to obviously my dad told us you know get a job but it wasn't something that like was out of necessity but even when I did want to get a job I remember not wanting to work at edible just because it wasn't something I could not wrap my head around even now I don't know if I would be interested in taking them on just because it's not something that I'm passionate mm-hmm. about. And but, I, you know, I, I really do think like, I don't think being passionate about something in every job you have is realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're really blessed if that's how you feel. I mean, I, I you know, it's interesting. I, I think that I do not regret one ounce of being Adele. Not, I mean, there is no, I mean, first of all, I have no regrets in my life at all, but you know, it served its purpose for someone who was not a student, who was never right. going to go get her master's, who, you know, I learned all of that. I mean, I, you know, I, I call it the master's Adele. I mean, I was <laughs> surrounded by very bright people mm-hmm. and I paid a lot of attention. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, every meeting I was highly engaged in how they were talking about it, what they were talking about it. So I, be, I got my master's there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how I would have never been able to run my own business to start and even though I'd baby stepped it through a franchise system I would have never been able to do it without Dell because mm-hmm. I had so much exposure to so many different things sales training marketing right. you know and I think that's one of the things that people especially younger people underestimate is the power of listening mm-hmm. and not having you know you know not everybody can be Gary V right know, and have all this shit figured out <laughs> right so, my French no, so fine. I think that you've got to um or be so blessed that you have a natural skill set right like, there's a lot of people who have a very natural thing that they walk into and it's 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 just who they are there are people who right. know they're going to be doctors you know from the age of 10 you yes. know and that's their whole thing and you know, God bless them. But there are other people who have a longer journey, mm-hmm. you know, and I think about it now. I'm 50. I'm not done with mine. I'm still right. trying to figure out the next, step, you know, the next step. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, it feels like a lot of young people I talk to and I think it's, it's just, <laughs> they feel like they just have to have this thing. And you know what? Sometimes it's just make some money. Get right. used to like making money and managing your money. But then you know, but but insert yourself into a situation where you have the opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. And so an example like what you were just talking about, I mean, you were probably learning the business side from your dad on the back side. Mm-hmm. So you may not, but like actually doing the work, I mean, you know, there were there skill sets that you probably could have learned, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. but you know, is it down the alley of probably where you're naturally leading? Probably not. And that's mm-hmm. what you have to go learn. Go work for a small business photographer. Go work for, you know, something in there where you may not be, like, maybe lugging some stuff around <laughs> or it's not sexy right. or whatever. Right. But, but it's in the direction that you want to head eventually. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so not every path has to be figured out today. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, yeah. I think it was crazy because I've had so many different things that I've been interested in. I used to think I wanted to be a writer. And then... Um, I was like, that's probably not realistic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I fell in love with nutrition, like head first and then completely failed at it. So I, at that point I was like, well, I thought I had found already what I wanted to do, but then I, it was almost like I couldn't do it. Right. So then it was like figuring out, you know, where do I go from there? But 
All of those will dissect at some point, though. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the thing you have to remember is that, you know, and I mean, even now, like, you know, I was laying out on a piece of paper, you know, de- like all these things that I could I could potentially do because I'm, I'm at a point where I'm trying to figure out the next step. Mm-hmm. And it, they're all going to serve me, all these potential things, because they're all actually skill sets I have. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know where they're they're going to come together mm-hmm. and so it, it's but I trust like, and here's what I will say and any young person who decides to listen to this like, <laughs> you have to trust in the process that it, it will work like you know you can be a spiritual person you can whatever but there will be a moment where you know mm-hmm. um, like with edible I, there was not a doubt in my mind like I knew that's what I was going to do and the stars all lined up to make that happen mm-hmm. whether it was I got to volunteer for a layoff or right. you know all of that I happened to be, you know, pick something that, you know, was hyper successful for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, but it'll all work out. It's just what you have to do is just figure out. And sometimes you got to identify what you aren't good at and go throw yourself in a really uncomfortable position, mm-hmm. you know, because whether through you, a job yeah. or, yeah, exactly. Right. And so like, ugh, like, you know, cause you do learn something from that. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I've, I've definitely realized too, is that the more you do things that you don't like, the more it just helps you figure out what you want what you you do like and then you know you're even bad experiences you're always going to learn something from them so it's it was worth it anyways it's like a bad date right (laughs) you don't ever someone you you see a quality in someone you can't stand you will know when to identify and how to identify it right yeah you're out i'm out like i see that and i'm out right and then it's just like it's it's one more stepping stone to maybe finding that person that you actually wanted to be with anyways I was going to ask too. Yeah. So you spent how long in the edible franchise system? Let's see. So I signed in 2005 and I just sold. Okay. Um, so three months ago. Years? So yeah. 15 years. Is that right? 2020. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you just sold. How does it, how did it feel to sell all your stores? Loaded question. Um, <laughs> Well, let's just say um, I will equate the, my relationship with Edible as a bad marriage and the divorce is now over. It was a really good one for a while and mm-hmm. it was a bad marriage at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, it was a, you know, a great amount of relief. Okay. But again, I'm in a very blessed situation where I have time to figure out what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But it, again, don't regret it. Just right. glad I got out when I did. Right. It makes sense in a way, or at least how I'm piecing it together in my head, that you went from managing and teaching people at Dell to then managing mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people for Edible. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you like have a natural knack for like leading people in general, talking yes. to people? Yes. And Dif- I don't say that in a cocky way. I just think that when you're about to be 50, like myself, mm-hmm. um, you just know what you're not you you know how to identify your natural skill sets and Mm. I mean if you talk to my mother she said I was this way from the beginning so it's not really yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah she said I was ordering everywhere on the playground that's so funny so yeah Mm -hmm. so no yes absolutely what were some mistakes you made along the way in terms of managing people that you think Mm. you wish you could have told yourself back then well I, I would say that what the first thing that came to mind is when I owned my own business I was so desperate to make it work I mean because again I was struggling the first year and a half two years were tough Mm -hmm. I I just I ran over people (laughs) like honestly I mean they I was going a million miles an hour and if you had feelings and they were hurt I could have cared less and Mm -hmm. and and I don't mean that in a way of like I didn't genuinely care I meant that in a way I was so focused on making sure that your 
that, you know, these people's paychecks were going to be coming in the door. I mean, there were times when I had to call my dad and say, you got to deposit, you know, $2,000, which my dad didn't have into my bank account so I can make payroll. And then I would pay him back two days later. So like, it was bad. There was a, there was a period of time where my parents all had to pay for my dinners every time. I mean, my friends had to pay for my dinners. Like if we ever went out, if they wanted to hang out with me, they had to bring some tuna. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think it took me a long time. And then, and then the crazy part is I can't believe some of those people stayed. I mean, there were people that were with me for 15 years. Oh, wow. I mean, when I just sold, there was a girl who had been with me for 15 the, the years. The entire time? Yes. Wow. And I look back at her now and I'll probably potentially cry. Like, I can't believe she stuck it out in those couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm just so thankful she did. Yeah. And she always talked about, oh, those days when, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing is she stood up for herself at one point. And she said, you just can't be like this with me. Right. And it was like, it just snapped me out of it. And it again, it was not. And I think that's one of the things people have to realize is that – it's so easy to think as a small business owner, there, you know, or I mean, as a, an employee of a small business owner, that all this money, you just see the money coming in, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But what you don't see is all, there. It, I mean, you talk about a duck with feet going <laughs> underneath the water. I mean, you yeah. are trying to keep this alive. You mm-hmm. are trying to keep money coming in. I mean, we will hide the fact that we can't make payroll from you. Right. No one ever knew that. I didn't tell anyone that. And then my employees, they would quit if they didn't think they were going to get paid, right? right? Yeah. And so, and it, and it happened even recently in the last three years when, you know, things got a little rough with edible. So, I mean, you're just freaking out, mm-hmm. you know? And I, again, I just, you, you always have to give business owners a little bit of Grace. understanding yeah. or, you know, like, hey, there's probably stuff going on. Do not get me wrong. Do I think there's some greedy people out there mm-hmm. who will take advantage of you of all stops? Absolutely, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Just my experience in the franchise system, I know that to be true. But mm-hmm. I do think that in general, people are really just trying to make it work and keep the lights on and do all the hard work. And right. sometimes they genuinely forget to think or value the people, but it doesn't come from a bad place. Yeah. So that would be the number one mistake. I can see how that would, I mean, you're kind of in that mindset of like, just go, 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 go. Right. You know, I think I can be that way as well sometimes sometimes I have a friend who is completely different from me we're complete opposites and she's very emotional and I am not and there are times when she'll come to me with problems and I'm like why don't you just do this and this and you know it's so like I won't right you know and just I get can, it done yes yeah <laughs> and I can I can understand how that can be if you're in a really stressful environment and you're just trying to yeah make ends focused meet. on the goal right focused on the goal right? right yeah and the goal just happened to be your paycheck so mm-hmm. yeah I've worked at jobs where people think that the small business owner is just this you know horrible person that just doesn't understand them and well you know has all these amazing things and it's like I know firsthand that that's not always true Mm -hmm. so it's hard to because I'm always like I I try and play devil's advocate with my own co-workers I'm like well you know Mm -hmm. you don't we're not 100% sure we don't know what their life could look like yeah well and sometimes it's just a conversation to find out I mean Mm -hmm. you know I mean you know one of the interesting things about a small business owner is no one asked them how are you doing yeah. Right. Like yeah, no, no employee has ever looked at me and said, "How are you doing? Are you okay?" Like you know, you're mm-hmm. you're just you're could because you're looked at in a leadership position. You're looked at as somebody yeah. who you've got this 
stuff figured out, right? <laughs> and um, and that's not necessarily true. You're you're winging it, trying to figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I think about like if when I walked into Dell, I was an incredibly insecure person. Like I, you know, my GPA was horrible when I left. You know, UT. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, <laughs> it's not like there were a whole bunch of people out offering me jobs at crazy money, right? right? Like I was out scrapping trying to make it work. Yeah. So I think about that person when I left Dell, I was a lot more confident. I had a lot more confidence in my skill set. Mm-hmm. And that was because managers along the way gave me that confidence, right? right. I mean, there was a particular manager I followed around, like, I think, to three different jobs <laughs> because he did that for me, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, he – and I, I do think you have to attract yourself or, you know, attach yourself to people who will help give that. As long as you're learning. You can't right. do it as a crutch, but as long right. as you're learning. And – um you have to attach yourself to people who are not only going to give you confidence, but also add your knowledge, you know, improve your knowledge or mm-hmm. add to you, right? So, but what, as a business owner, you have to remember is just because you're confident, what you forget to remember is that they are not as confident as you mm-hmm. and they need a lot more guidance, guidance, mm-hmm. handholding. Uh, they need that confidence. Mm-hmm. And that took me a really long time to realize because I was at a point, I was like, what do you mean? You need to be told a good job. You're here. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I haven't fired you. You're doing great. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, but like you, you forget that over time, mm-hmm. like you were there at one point and, and so, that reassurance is what right. got you to where you are. Right, right. Yeah. And then I always used to tell people, you know, my job as a business owner is to pick everything apart. Like when I walk in, you know, honestly, I'm looking at all the details. That's what vendors, they, they look right. right past you and they see the dirty dish behind you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that's their job is they walk in to pick everything apart and figure out how to make it, you know, right or perfect or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you don't stop and look at the person and say, hey, that yes. arrangement looks great. Yes. It, Can you clean that dish behind you? Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know what I'm saying? Yes, like you have because, to create that world for yourself where you actually do that. And I mean, for someone like my personality that's always going 100 miles an hour, that's really hard to do. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it takes a, even now, it takes a very concerted effort for <laughs> to me to stop that. and think about that. And it, again, doesn't mean I'm a horrible person. It just means I'm you know, doing my job. Yeah. (laughs) No, that makes complete sense because I know, um, you know, when we walk into the store, I didn't even think about that, but that is really true. If like, if I were working at Edible and, you know, I had been here for hours and, you know, I'd been working, but then you see the only time you see the business owners when they come in and then they tell you what's wrong with everything that you're doing, it can be hard. Yes. And because you don't have that core of feeling good about what you're already doing right right right. and not understand well if yeah because you don't have the perspective that they do of like okay it's not it's not personal to you it's just how can we do business better overall you know right right so I can definitely see that um and talking about your mentors since you talk about how you mentor other people and how that is like what you really specialize in was that person that you mentioned that manager that you had, was that the mentor that you would say you took a lot of your inspiration from in the way that you do things now or is, I mean, I think he just taught me a lot. He Mm -hmm. taught me how, I mean, he was a really good person. So Mm -hmm. he was, he was easy to be around. He, you know, he always had a great way of saying, oh, you know, it may have even been him who taught me say three things nice first before you say anything bad. I I can't remember, but I know I left Dell kind of with that, thing in my head mm-hmm. of like you know say three th- nice things first then, then give the, the feedback of what someone so I, I remember kind of walking away with that 
Um, but I mean, I just, he was, you know, he was just a good guy. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he inspired me, you know. Um, I think usually my inspiration comes from outside world, you know, okay. type of thing. But mm-hmm. he definitely taught me um, how to feel confident about who I was in. And then, you know, made sure that put into action, either via my annual reviews or whatever. So mm-hmm. I always felt valued. And then at one point I just realized I had, I knew my value. I mean, I think that's the point where I got when I'm – I said I was sitting in a room at Dell and they're talking about market share and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> this is not like I, this kind of all happened by accident. And mm-hmm. here I am 10 years later and I've gotten everything out of this I need to get. But I'm not going to be the person that wants to be, you know, the VP of Dell. Right. It's just not it's just not where I was. Yeah. I'm, but I think I can be a VP, <laughs> just not here. Mm-hmm. Right. So what would be your best tips for building relationships in business and then leveraging those relationships later. Um, We were talking about that with Ron and Ron, how (laughs) you, sometimes you hate a position, but because of the relationships you build, those people, those are the people that help you get to where you want to go next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel that way about Ron and Ron, right? Like I feel like, you know, their contacts, I mean, I don't, uh, I mean, I have friends who are really good at networking. Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean that they're every week, you know, they're meeting with someone from a past job eight years ago. And so then, you know, when they lose a job, they, they're always connected, connected, right? Mm -hmm. Like they go out or, you know, or lose a job, but you know what I mean? They're out looking for something else. Um, so I I think, you know, that is a skill set of its own is to keep all of those connections. I'm probably would not say I'm great about that. I'm definitely don't ruin connections, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think if I reached out to People. I mean, at the end of the day, people will sit down and talk to you if they like you. Yeah. Right? If you weren't a true. jerk. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I, I feel like I have a broad network of people that I could reach out to and say, hey, I'm thinking of starting this or I'm thinking of doing that. I mean, it becomes a very different exercise when you – like right now, I have a really hard time seeing myself ever working for anybody ever again. Mm-hmm. And so that's a different – type of a problem right because now I'm not out looking and hustling for a job right um and trying to create those connections for that and I knew that a long time ago I mean I knew probably one year in I may never be able to work for anyone again (laughs) uh because I enjoyed it so much having the freedom to decide you know my own destiny Mm -hmm. but I have networks in different things like for whatever I start you know there are going to be people that I reach out to and some of those will be Dell people but mostly now I think it would be more of like my edible crew Mm -hmm. or you know because now I've met all these amazing people all over the United States Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was gonna ask you so now that you don't have any more edible franchises like you mm-hmm. said you don't want to work for anyone else what do you think is next again there's well. lots of things on the table yeah um, yeah I mean politics was definitely something that I it, it's there on the list mm-hmm. I don't think it's there on the list now um okay. there's a lot of reasons for that but um I I just it's not where I'm headed I mean I'm definitely I think what I've learned about myself is I am definitely someone who likes to educate, share information, nurture, you know, mm-hmm. type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff on the table. I mean, starting an internet company. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, getting a job was one of the things on the list, but I, I've definitely scratched that off as of late. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm just trying to deal with a five-year-old and a four-year-old who, <laughs> you know, are currently at school, but maybe at home at any minute and I have to yes. homeschool. So, um, yeah. You know, I'm having a a lot of problems trying to get to the place where I can actually make a decision because I feel like 
I don't know that I'm going to have time like until I'm, my kids are in a consistent schedule and that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just enjoying kind of hanging around being a mom. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I, I want to do something impactful. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think politics is that anymore. Yeah, uh, that's fair. That's yeah, very um, fair. I don't know. I'm just in a bad place with all that after the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm in a very bad But yeah, I mean... You and I are similar in the sense that I have a definite attraction to nutrition mm-hmm. um, or fitness and, and that type of world of like, how do you, you know, do that type of stuff? Mm-hmm. I have, I mean, I definitely, I see myself more in like, you know, starting some kind of blog or slash podcast or I was, something. I was going to ask about that because thinking about like comedy and how, like you said, you're in acting, you're a great speaker. I mean, now, there's so many internet things that you yeah. can do with that, especially with all of your experience. And I didn't know if that was something yeah. that you were interested in. There's all in. kinds of ideas I have. Okay. You know? There's all kinds of ideas, yeah. So actually, yeah, my dad sent in a couple fun questions. Yeah. He said, so you love bodybuilding. Is that correct? Or you were interested in it in bodybuilding? No, I just or did fitness? a lot of fitness. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, a lot yeah. of fitness. I maybe. like to be skinny. Let's be really <laughs> clear about that. Yeah. Well, because he, I think maybe he was mistaken, but... Um, and then he said, but you like wine too. So how do the two They mix? don't. That's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. Yes. I know. I actually wanted to, I mean, one of the things that's on my husband and I list is like, is there any way we can get into the wine business? Yeah. But, you know, like whether, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, we would love, I, I would love to get in the wine business. But um, I really do love red wine. But it is not serving me well in my 50s. <laughs> or I mean, well, I'm going to be 50 next year. But I mean, my 50th birthday. I would not think that at all. Yeah, I'm going to be 50 next year. That's my 50th actually birthday crazy. is, funny enough, going to be in Napa. Oh, um, really? Yeah. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. But, um, well, assuming oh, yeah, yeah, I guess the world right. cleans up of its disease. Right. But, um, yeah, so I think that, yeah, so there's all kinds of, yeah, they don't go together. Just so you know. <laughs> when you were younger, they work together just fine. They yeah. do not go together now. That's so funny. Yeah, so I definitely have to keep myself in check. Do you just work out or do you CrossFit or do you follow any I've type of thing? I've done everything you can imagine. Really? Like I, okay. I go, I get bored really easy. Orange mm. Theory, I was a huge into Orange Theory really? for a long time. I did, I, probably why he was thinking I was in uh, like bodybuilding is um like at some point like it was before I met my husband, so this is eight years ago. I did this really intense twelve-week program where okay. you were working out with a personal trainer, and I mean, I basically got down to like zero percent body fat or whatever, <laughs> like stage lean. Huh, yeah, well, okay. I mean, not. I mean, I wasn't trying to do that, but I was crazy. Yeah, okay. I was crazy. Yeah, that went away the minute I got married. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ha- I mean, it's not. I mean, you can't yeah. sustain that. Even yeah. I'm like I. I started powerlifting and then I came in so light because that was my freshman year and I was just small. Yeah. But then, you know, as col- you know, a couple years went by in college, I was like, I cannot. Yeah. I was like, I got to move up a weight class because yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, that's funny. I actually found the same thing. Like we would do powerlifting workouts. And then if we ever tried to go out, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I was like, I have to pick one or the other. Yeah, it cannot. can be. You're either all in or you're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like being a mom to two really young kids when you were also trying to do all everything edible? So at the point I had seven stores and two children and the way I would tell people is I have nine children. <laughs> I was going to say so it's So imagine what that's like. like. Yeah, yeah it's, it was horrible. It's horrible. How did you manage it, it, your time? Um, well, luckily, again, I'm a 
very blessed. Lots of support. I had, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunity to have a nanny. I, oh, you know, okay. all of those things to help. Mm-hmm. So, and but, but and honestly, by the time I had that many stores, I had a general manager, and mm-hmm. I had, you know, I could work from home. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, we have a picture of my daughter when she was like two, and I mean, the first thing she did is put a phone up to her ear. Oh, I was always on the phone, mm-hmm. and um, and and what I'll tell you is, it didn't serve me well in the sense of, I mean, you know, I was trying to do both. I was trying to stay home, be on the phone all the time, just directing seven stores from afar mm-hmm. and one of those has to give yeah right mm-hmm. and what happened is the stores gave I mean mm-hmm. I just that's what happened I mean you have to make just what you're saying you have to do one or the other mm-hmm. um, I think there are people who do it really really well you you know whether you can balance all of it and particularly when they're that young and they're at home and stuff like that it's a whole different world now that they're in pre-k and right. stuff but that first couple of years it was just is a level of stress I can't even begin to describe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it's hard. I mean, you just have to recognize that's hard. That's why I would say, like, you know, if you're young um, and you don't have kids, marriage doesn't, you know, if you're in a good marriage, doesn't change anything. But when you have kids, it changes everything. And, um, you know, I think that do it before then, mm-hmm. you know, or wait till they're five. You know, yeah. and they're in pre-K or yeah. that type of a thing. And then you have different challenges because, you know, now they get out of school at two. So you're still in the situation where you either need daycare or that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's one of the things that's kind of hard about being a woman is like <laughs> trying to figure all that out. Like I said, I watch people who have very high, powerful jobs, but, mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of help. They have grandma right. next door. They have, you know, all that stuff. I mean. So it's just finding your resources. I can't imagine. I mean, that's hopefully far down (laughs) far away but yeah I it was funny when I was thinking about that I was like I mean it probably seeing what my dad does how he's constantly just like putting Mm -hmm. out fires it has to feel like you do have just not two but several children Mm -hmm. I mean you know how many times your dad told me oh thank goodness my kids are older Right? Yeah. Because I can imagine. They, you were kind of on your own, you know, when yeah. you started, right? Like you were yeah. older, you could, you know, feed yourself. You could, mm-hmm. you know. I think all. I was nine. Yeah. Jake was yeah. So, seven. Yeah. So. But when they're, you know, running around your Newborns, feet and yeah, I all can, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like it's crazy, crazy. I, I definitely wished, I mean, I think at one point you brought up the, the Georgetown store. Like that was my biggest mistake. I mean, oh, that was the last one. a horrible decision. I was pregnant when I signed that franchise agreement. Oh, wow. I should have never tried to take on something new knowing I was about to have a baby. I was so incredibly naive because, again, when you're used to doing a whole bunch of things, you think you can do it all. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I should have never done that store. And guess what happened? I had to shut it down. Mm. Didn't make it, right? Yeah, it was the, I mean. One of the most, you know, it was very unsuccessful. Lost us a lot of money. Was that one that you bought or built? I built it. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. The whole thing was a horrible decision. And I had friends try to tell me who had kids. They're like, you think you can do this, but you can't. Mm. And they were right. You know, you think you can do it. And, but, you know, that's a good news. You learn where your boundaries are. And, yes. You know, and then that's when I started. I mean, the failure of that store combined with, you know, the um, beginning of the divorce with edible and my mental <laughs> divorce is when I just decided, like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I've, I've got to start downsizing. I mean, mm-hmm. so we started with the process of, like, downsizing and selling them off, some of them off. Mm-hmm. And then I got to two, and I thought, you know, okay, I can sit here for a while, you know, at least until the kids get to school or my franchise agreements are up or all of the different things that go with that. But it just – somebody – 
came knocking and I just, I decided if I can get out, I'm going to get out. Yeah. And, you know, I'm definitely ready to start thinking. Cause I found myself not thinking about all the ways I could grow edible, but what are all the new things I could do? Yes. And I think that's a sign, right? Like, whereas mm-hmm. five years ago, I mean, I was still trying to figure out, you know, what can I do that. to make this better? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you particularly don't agree with the franchisor's philosophy or how he's changing or ignoring you as a franchisee, when you get to that level where you don't trust them anymore, mm-hmm. that is, you have to get out because that's a horrible relationship. I mean, it's j- literally just like a marriage. Like yeah. if you don't trust them to make the right decisions on your behalf, and particularly if you don't trust that they're actually going to do what's in your best interest financially, you must leave no matter how you have to get out. Like you, that means you, it's time to sell. It's time to, you know, do whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. Cause it's one thing to write it out. If you believe in the person who's right. up, who's there leading the right. way. Right. But if you don't, then it's, you know, mm-hmm. what are you staying for? And bigger you know? franchise systems don't have that problem. Cause like McDonald's, you know, they're a public company. They have a board of directors that right. they're, you know, all managing, mm-hmm. you know, like you trust that there's always going to be a group of people but when you're dependent upon one founder or one CEO, it's all about him or her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes it make just your choices. Yeah, work right? out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this has been great. Okay. Amazing. Um, is there anything that you would like to talk about or any advice maybe you could give to people who maybe are, are where you started out? Like, I am in a very general degree, don't really know what path they might go on. Mm-hmm. Anything like that? Well, let me ask you, like, so how do we feel that the job market is right now in Austin? Is it bad? Uh, I mean... Luckily, I have it. I haven't really experienced the job search because I had an on-campus job from last year, so I already had that relationship. Right. I just continued on with this, um, with it this year, and then I have an internship. When I was searching for internships, there wasn't much available. Yeah, yeah. So that was a little bit difficult. I got really lucky with the internship that I have because they actually. It's really flexible. It's exactly what I want to do. I get to actually host podcasts for them right. and photograph like restaurants and things in Austin for them. Everyone's in a very weird situation. I think like especially for me right now, I'm just trying to be smart and not be too Gen Z about everything mm-hmm. and think like I think I'm realizing that a lot of people my age are a little bit entitled, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, sometimes you really just have to go get a job. You know, yeah. you can't always stop be thinking like, about the dreamy thing and just do it. And I, I yeah, yeah, because the experience and being able to talk about the experience actually means more than sitting around dreaming about what your wish, you know, your right. thing is. I mean, at some point you've got to do something, yeah. right? I think you just got to get the experience. I yeah. just think that's really that simple. I mean, even learning how to be in a you know, customer service queue is valuable to some degree, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if I have anything, oh. guys, because it's just a weird world. But, yeah. um, because I think that I don't even know how many jobs are out there right now. Like, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah, luckily my internship has been good. And then, I mean, from here, it's just I've, I've been lucky enough to have experience with. Uh, my dad and Ron with what they're doing now. But yeah, right now the the whole job situation is just it's it's interesting. But I think are you, that are you, are you graduating in a month? Yeah. 
Fun. We can always do it again. It was super fun. I know. Yeah. <laughs> always. Always. But I just want to thank you for coming mm-hmm. on because it was great. And I've learned. I learned a lot. I Yay. think I can take a lot of inspiration from you, especially just your mentality of the excitement. Being around people who are excited about business and are just not afraid to do whatever ideas they have mm-hmm. in their own mind excites me because that's kind of how I try and do whatever I'm doing. So thank you so much. Yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, then make sure to leave a rating and review. And I will see you next Friday for the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, that was the end of the conversation with Riva and Zmir. I really hope that you enjoyed it and learned something from her and her incredible story. I know that I was really lucky to get to sit down and talk with her. Um, I find her to be really inspiring and especially for someone who, you know, is graduating with the same degree that she is and just to see her success, it's really cool to know that, you know, you don't have to have things figured out and it takes a lot of trial and error and, you know, things will eventually play out as they're meant to and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you graduate with or what your plans are if you work hard and are determined you know you can get wherever you want to go so thank you to Riva for sitting down and sharing her story and I really hope that you all enjoyed it as much as I did make sure to watch on YouTube if you don't already subscribe to the YouTube channel where I post all of the videos for the podcast make sure to subscribe to the podcast leave a rating and review if you enjoyed it tell me your favorite part um, what part of the conversation that you enjoyed enjoyed the most or comment some questions that you have for maybe future videos. You can always DM me or tweet me if you don't want to leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Whatever you want to do, I'm always reading those and taking those into consideration for future episodes. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. I can't wait for next week. I'm going home for Thanksgiving and I'm hoping to meet up with some of my hometown friends and I'm hoping that we'll get to record some podcasts then so you can meet some more of my high school friends and hear some more funny stories and learn about some more people that I'm really close with and haven't gotten to see for a while. So yeah, um, I'm excited for that. I hope you guys have an amazing Thanksgiving and that everyone is safe and healthy and despite everything that's going on you get to enjoy some much needed downtime with your family so yeah i guess i will leave it at that and i will see you guys next friday bye